I'm very excited. This is uh, On the Sofa with Rouge, my new podcast, which is called Why Bother? It's a question I'm going to be asking my guest today, who is called Mauro Di Petio. Di Petio. Ciao, mm-hmm. Mauro. Hey, it's ciao. Lovely to have you here today on <laughs> yeah, Zoom. On Zoom, it's and um, Mauro is a, is, a, is a an acclaimed photographer, but he's a philanthropist, and he's many other very interesting things. And I thought it would be brilliant to have someone like Mauro on this podcast, um, which is very much. popular. And also the connection between us. So most of my guests have a connection with Gibraltar, but your connection with Gibraltar is via a mutual friend who is here, Tessa Riso-Restano. Hello. Riso-Restano. Riso-Restano. Tessa is is also a photographer. Well, no. And now I hear she speaks fluent Italian, so that's new to me as well. Yeah. Which is quite good. No, I don't tell you my Italian skills. (laughs) No, I want to to point out, so we've had a little chat. Her Italian is really, really great. Really. Yeah. 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 Well, there you are. It's been nice about it. It's better than my photos. Yeah. <laughs> what she told me? No, she told they me. are both. They are both really good. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really proud of Tessa. Yeah. Uh, we are traveling together yeah, since nice a while. Always say yeah. he's not nice to you. No, he's very, yeah. he's very um, realistic. So, so the not. whole connection is so you came across Mauro mm-hmm. through another friend. Yes. Who's a photographer yes, as well? Yes. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, I I came across Mauro through Stephen Edmida, who's uh, I think you had him on your podcast yep. a while ago. I did, yep. And Stephen did a tour with Mauro in a while ago, and recommended that I do a tour with Mauro as well. And I did a tour with Mauro. We went to he took me around uh, Kenya, which was incredible. So what what do you what do you do, Mauro? You 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 take people on excursions, or what is it exactly that you do? Yeah, this is uh, an idea I came out with uh, a few years ago. I'm doing photography since uh, uh, almost all my life, let's say. Uh, I'm, I'm doing uh, social documentary photography since 10 years, not really that long. Anyway, uh, it was just an idea to make a living. Uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to sign a contract for a, a photo agency. and in 2017 and but you know i didn't like the idea to work for a photo agency because what uh, how they work most of the time is uh, you know they have something they want to to publish or to talk about like let's say the war in ukraine so they sent they they would have sent me to ukraine to speak about that so mostly it was uh, about talking about things that I don't really care about. Um, okay. So it was a hard decision. At the, at the end, I decided not to sign the contract for the agency. So, of course, I needed to come out with uh, another idea to make a living because I love what I do and uh, it's my passion. I, I mean, photography, I, photography is I, your passion. Yeah, I cannot. I cannot be more, I mean, I, I couldn't ask more in life because uh, we, I, I'm doing what I love to do. But yeah. unfortunately, it's not something that pay off a lot. So, okay. uh, of course, I had to come out with another idea. And I said, why uh, do I, I can teach what I learn uh, in all my career and I can teach how to take pictures. I can teach how to travel because it's really important to understand how you have to travel to get close to people and take certain pictures. 
So yeah, like five years ago, four years ago, I started my first tour. It had a lot of success. So yeah, this is this is what I'm doing now. Oh, I organize four trips a year. Well, what I want to know, because I've looked at your book, you've got an amazing book out, which is called 40 Seasons of Humanity. Most yeah. of your pictures are of people and uh and not, and, well, you, not most of them, but quite a lot of them are of people. Yeah. So you're interested in people and places, travel photography, yeah. Yeah. And capturing the soul of the person and, yeah. and yeah. the spirit of, of I mean, that exactly. is exactly that's the story, the story that you once said stories, no? Yeah. 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 That, that is, uh, it was, um, um, let's say a long path before discovering what I'm doing now, uh, means, uh, tell other, um, the story of the people I meet in my trips. So is always about people, is always about stories of people. And I'm very lucky uh, also for this because I have the opportunity to meet a lot of people on my on my on my path. And yeah. Yeah. So 40 seasons of humanity is exactly this. I started to do this kind of photography exactly 10 years ago. That's why the book is called 40 Seasons. It means that is uh, is ten years of my of my work, and it's all about people. So every page you will turn on my book, you will see a different face, a different different person. So what what draw what draws you what draws you to to um, choose a country? So you organize these tours, and you get you you advertise. I suppose you have followers, people who who follow your work. Yeah. And then you advertise that you're going to go to a country. What, what, how do you choose what country you go to and, and, and what is it that you're looking for? Is the, is the mainly the connection. I feel connected to certain part of the world. I, of course, I don't know the, the whole planet. I didn't, I still didn't discover the, the whole planet. I, I still have time, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I, I tend to to go always in the same places. For example, India, I consider India like my home. So part of the book is about, about India. And yeah, and, um, and the second home for me is Africa for sure. And uh, still, I don't know everything about Africa. In Africa, there are 52 countries and I discover what, 16 of them. So let let's say even almost nothing. What, how do you get involved? I mean, did, did you always like traveling from a young age? Have you traveled? No, not really. Oh. Uh, this is funny. I, my first, you know how old I was when I did my first trip? I was 34. Okay. So you were crazy. No? Yeah. Old, old enough. Yeah. Quite old. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't like you were a teenager and you were like, oh, I have to get out of here. I want to travel, see the world. No, 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 no. I was, I was, I was old. I was already old. And yeah, that's why it was, it was not easy. Yeah. So when I was 34, I always say that I, um, my second life started because I traveled for the first time. I never left my, my village, my small, my small village in Italy, in the north of Italy. I never had experience in traveling. I didn't speak English, nothing. Uh, I started from zero. So by coincidence, I, no, by coincidence, I start to read a lot of books about India. This is how all started. Okay. Wow. And I, yeah. 
And I always recommend these two books. One is uh, City of Joy and the okay. second one is Shantaram and is about India. And because of that, I wanted to visit India. I wanted to feel what I felt reading those stories. And I said, I want to see if it's real, if it's true. And was it? But yeah, it was even better than what, uh, what I was uh, hoping for. Going back. Anyway, so yeah, I had a job, I had a family, I had a house in Italy, I had everything, but uh, I wanted to see that. Uh, but because I didn't have experience, as I, I said before, I, I decided to go to London. So I said, let's choose something closer than India. So I, I moved to London and I started to work as a waiter. Oh my God. restaurant. Yeah, I started was, from zero. What, what job did you have in Italy? Yeah, I was a mechanic engineer, basically. <laughs> I was working in a robotic company. I was a mechanic designer. Really? Uh, so and what did you study? That was your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was in London, they, yeah, they put me in front of the reality and they said, here, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which uh, paper, what, which paper you have. Here, yeah. you really need to show what you're capable of. So for a while, I was waiting that someone called me to work in a mechanic company, but it didn't, it never happened, of course. So yeah, I had to to start working in a restaurant because I had to start yeah, to make I, money out of it. Yeah, of course. And that I discovered a whole new world. So I started to speak with clients. Yeah. And I started to learn English. Of yeah. course, that's the best way to learn it. Yeah, yeah, deep, yeah. Like the deep yeah. End, yeah. And nothing. After two years as a waiter in London, I did my first trip in India. Ah, uh, you were able of, to save money. To, yeah, to, to do your what you you dreamed about, which was going to India. Yeah, and I traveled six months in India. This was oh, my you first went off trip. For six months, your first yeah. trip. Yeah, I was supposed to go for like a couple of weeks, a month, and I stayed there six months. <laughs> that is the so first time I met. Uh, the the sadhu in the waterfall, the the picture you showed me ah, before. Yes, the, the sadhu picture you like. That's an amazing story. I mean, the the no. photos tell stories. Each each of them um, tells a story, no. and I felt I was telling Tessa very much that I was living the experience. A bit like when you read the book and it and you imagined India to be like that, and when you went, it was even better. So yeah, yeah. looking at your pictures, feeling that, thinking, wow, it's India's. One of my countries that I really want to go to. I've never been to India, but I also feel a bit like you. Um, I have a connection, a family member of mine, my cousin, Tommy, is married to an, an Indian lady and they they talk a lot about India. They go often and it draws me. It really draws me. And I always say when I can, I'm bringing up a family still. I've still got children in the house, but one day I will, I will go. Maybe we should go. Maybe we'll I'm maybe waiting for my friends. Maybe it's true. Yeah, we'll do. We'll go together and I'm um, trying to convince him for a while. What, what is it that's so magical about it, Mauro, in your in your words? Why is it so magical? Yeah, are you talking about India? Yeah. It's not easy to explain, but uh, so first of all, I feel home. Okay. And this is quite magical for me. And I don't know, I feel connection with the places, with the people, with the colors, with the smells, with the food. Mm. Uh, it's about everything. And, and when uh, you went for six months without anywhere to stay, I mean, what did you do? Where did you sleep? How did you? Where did you... Uh, it's incredible, but you know, six months is not even enough. 
to because every day is like a new day. So, for example, I started in the south of India. Uh, even India is composed by uh, about 30 regions. But each city in each region of the whole India is a different planet, is a different world. A, there are different people, different food, different uh, religions, different everything. So, yeah. Every day is a is a is a um, is a trip. Uh, is a so I started from in the south and really I I should stay here a month to tell you what's happening six months in India. Um, I don't know. I even bought a motorbike. I traveled with the motorbike for three months. I had an accident with the motorbike. I've been in the hospital, and and after I I really a lot of things. I went all the way to the Himalayas and really from the top south to the, all the way to, to the north in the 5,000 meters in the Himalaya with the snow really. So did you, were you taking pictures during all this time? Uh, so I had a, a, a really uh, professional camera before going to London, but the first, before going to India, sorry. But the first time I visited India, I decided to um, to concentrate 100% in my in my trip. So I remember I sold my professional camera and I bought like a compact camera, a small one, because I really wanted to dip myself completely uh, without the distraction of pictures, photography. And I regretted a little bit, but. Mm, it yeah. was it was a good decision. That's why I had to go back after so, more than eight years to take the picture of that person I met. One of the photos, my favorite one actually, is about this um, sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Man yeah, sadhu, standing on the edge of a waterfall, literally what you can see just at the beginning of the Ganges River. So you can see on the water. You can just you, you can just. You look at it. I mean, I didn't realize he'll ever look now properly. Yeah. There's a waterfall right beside him or right below him. Yeah. And and Mauro mm -hmm. had seen this man standing there, standing in all right, 10 years before. Yeah. We imagine. So during my first trip, I saw yeah. this. Uh, the, the Sadhu is a holy man. Actually, uh, they look like um, people, you know, homeless people, but they are really super intelligent people. So there are they are normal people. They have a family. They have a good job. They are really smart. Uh, one day they decide to leave everything behind and start it from zero. That's why I feel this connection. They did like more or less what I did. So, and they decide to like reburn. So the, the day they decide to reburn, they cut, they shave, uh, yeah. they shave the hair off, they change name. And from that day, they like to reborn. So their age yeah. start on that day. So you maybe see someone that has like 60 years old, they tell you they are 25. So uh, you laugh, but it's true. Anyway, I met this guy the first time I traveled to India. And again, I didn't have the camera. So for like most the seven, more than seven years, I had in my mind, okay, I one day I need to go back there in the same place to take a picture of him where I saw him on the edge of this waterfall. And this is what I did. Incredible. Yeah. Ten years later, same guy. Yeah, yeah, same guy. Yeah, Babaji. Did he remember you? Yeah, he remember you. Uh, I think so. Um, I, I mean, I, um, 
I don't know. He he doesn't speak English, so it was not easy to communicate. But I think uh, I remember him. He remembered me. Yeah. So where where else have you been about apart from India? Where else have you been? You said you mentioned Africa. Yeah, I wanted to say that is not only about um, where I feel to go, but you know, um, lately uh, is really important also uh, the job I do. So yeah, I do also a lot of research to try to find a story to tell. So because of this, I get like inspired and I don't know, I can go to Nepal to photograph the people who, who hunt um, to, to take this special honey that grow in the, in this mountain in Nepal, just a few days per year. So I see this story. So that's it. I go, I jump there. You're so reading all the time. The... You, you read magazines, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, and then... yeah. Something inspires you like like this, for example. Yeah. Like, and yeah. so you decide to go off to Nepal just at a certain amount of days in the year that you can capture this yeah. process of getting honey. From talking the- about Nepal, I was talking about oh, that. I, I heard about these honey hunters. Yeah, yeah. So I said, what's honey hunters? So I was reading about these people uh, getting this special honey that grow only a few days per year in the north of Nepal, in the Himalayas. So if I can tell the whole story, <laughs> uh, I, I will. I'm happy to do it. So basically only a few days per year, uh, the rhododendron f- flower contains a, a toxin. So basically when the honey, they use this rhododendron flower to make the honey, the honey contains this toxin. So the honey is like, um, you, you get high if you eat this honey. Okay. It's like, uh, they call it mud honey. It's okay. a special honey. And that is possible to find only a few days per year. So when I read about this story, I said, I have, I have to go. Yeah. I have to speak about this. Uh, uh, so this is what I did. It took almost one year to prepare the project. Wow. Yeah. To, you know, to find the right people. Uh, me so to find the, yeah. yeah, you have because, to. Because, yeah, you don't find this information in Google. So you have to speak with someone. They know someone. They know someone. That can I trust you can yeah yeah so at the end I've been there and it was I think the toughest project in my life I always say if they would pay me twenty thousand dollars to do it again I would say no I'm I'm honest really like yeah, he went and did the same like on the ropes and stuff the same as the honey hunters did like with his plans, yeah. cameras and stuff because you have to get up on a rope. Up a, up a, up a, up a just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these people, they, they go up is like... Is that like hand... a really cool like, mountain story? It's not. It's like you've got to like a canal on the montaña and stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. First of all, is is a place difficult to reach. So you have to walk four days to reach the place. And when they are there, the, the hunters, they like build a ladder and they go up like 100 meters on the on this mountain. And this honey comes there on top. So it's, it's, it was crazy. By the way, if you are interested, if someone is interested, uh, there is also a movie. I made a, like a behind the scene video about this photo project that you can find in YouTube. Oh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, it's called uh, Honey Hunters. So honey it's, Hunters. Called, it's called Sweet Gold, the Honey Hunters of Nepal. Amazing. Uh, if you go to my channel, Mauro De Bettio. On, on YouTube. YouTube Oh, okay. Yeah. You find a few behind the scene video of uh, my most important projects. That's incredible. Um, you, what you, you what can... do you 
or to achieve. I mean, you, you did all this, you went all the way to Nepal, you climbed up these ropes. Yeah. What, do you, what, do you, what do you get from it? <laughs> I, I, I do it first for myself because yeah. I'm a really curious person. And uh, because of that, I love to discover new cultures, new people, and to see myself, uh, to put myself, to get it myself involved in this situation. I really love it. And second, of course, because of my job, uh, I really believe uh, now, nowadays the, the, the competition is really hard. There are a lot of really good photographers. So it's not about quality anymore, but you know, is uh, if you want to make the difference, of course, you need to speak about something that, uh, something new and also yeah. to go deep into it so it's really important so it's really for your benefit for your not not that you're making money from it i mean um no do you do you take people on projects like this no 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 it's you only do it yourself because you're just myself you and then yeah. and yeah. then you put it out there you put it out on your youtube yeah. channel you take pictures and you and you and where do you put the pictures where do you publish your yep. stuff uh, to finish what I was saying before about it, the the agency, the photo agency, I was almost signing the contract with. This is the difference. If you work for an agency, you don't do what you like. Yeah. You have to do what they tell you to do. Yeah. And you have to do it in a really quickly. Like in a couple of days, you need to take out a story. But if you want to talk uh, about what you love and what you believe, yeah, you have to do by yourself. And this... I mean, it pay off because um, often I win contests, photo contests, I get published in magazine, I, but you know, you never do it because of that reason. You never do it because your, of that reason. Your, your passion and, and you yeah. love, is that your happy place behind the camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my, the secret of my success, if I can, if I can say it, is this, I think people appreciate this a lot. That I'm not doing for for money. I mean, I'm I'm doing because I believe it, because I love it, and, and you know, most of the time I also try to help people. Did you know that there are nearly 300,000 children living on the streets across Kenya, with more than 60,000 of them in the capital city of Nairobi? These children are homeless and hungry. The Malaika Foundation is now providing food once a week for about 150 children. Their main goal is to increase these numbers and be able to give meals at least three times a week to many more children. Sniffing Glue is their escape from poverty, homelessness, violence and abuse on the streets. Sniffing Glue helps them to suppress their hunger because glue is cheaper than food. Some children say that they use glue and other drugs to heighten their senses, to alert them of possible violence and to help them sleep during cold nights and to forget their physical and mental abuse. Food is their most important need, but the children often need primary medical care too and are financially unable to afford health services and buy medicines. Most of these children come from outside the city and end up on the streets of Nairobi looking for ways to make money so that they can send home financial support to their families. But when they realize that it's almost impossible for them to earn anything, they become afraid of returning home empty-handed and becoming homeless on the streets. One of the biggest goals of the Malaika Foundation is to reunite these children with their families and to try and support the family unit. So with your donation and your support, the Malaika Foundation can guarantee these children's future and hopefully 
be able to increase the number of meals, clothes and medicines they can provide for them. Your donation today will give immediate and long-term assistance and this is invaluable to us. Thank you for your support and for more information please contact Desar Riso Restano or Michelle Ruggeroni and check out our website maurodebetio.com. Your stories are mostly of resilience and strength and, yeah. and overcoming adversity. Um, what does it teach you? What does it teach you every time? Because I'm everywhere you go is different, but it's but basically it's different. The stories are different, but the elements are the same. People overcoming, people struggling, you not know, with life. What does it teach you about life? What can it teach us? Yeah, this is uh, probably how my work uh, evolved in the last years. So um, I I also have the opportunity, beside doing what I love to do, beside traveling, and with, I, I have also the opportunity to help people. And yeah. uh, I probably I was not even aware that much, but there are really a lot of people that need help. And I learned that most of the time it's easy to help, to help okay. others. And me, I always try my best to, to get the best out of a photo, for example, uh, but also to, 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 to give back to the person I'm telling the story. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think this is the best part of my, the, of what I do. Uh, I was, I, I was, uh, I was call it job, but I hate to call it job. Uh, it's not a job for me. For me, uh, I, I love to do what I do. I'm really lucky. I have the opportunity to do it. Of course, a lot of time is hard because a lot of time I also failed. And this is also, this also can happen. Uh, I'm recently came back from a two month trip in India and uh, it was a complete failure talking about results, but uh, n not about myself. I mean, uh, so this is what I get from what I do. It's okay. not only yep. about photography. Uh, mm. It's also about all the rest. Okay. I hope I, I answered the yeah. question. What, what, okay. what happened? I was I'm looking at some of your pictures of Nairobi. So Nairobi is an important, another important country for you um, in Kenya. No? Um, yeah. And you started the Malaika Foundation, which is what I want um, people to know about, which is um, Tessa's going to be doing like a little advert, which is probably just played, actually. This will be part two um, about it. So tell us a bit more about the Malaika Foundation. Yeah. What, Tessa, what Tessa yeah. a few seconds before, didn't agree when I used the, the word failure, right? Huh? I didn't. You, I had something. Yeah. Oh, um, but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to use this word. For example, the most, the biggest achievement in life I reach is because of a failure. Yeah. Talk, talking about this project in Nairobi, I was uh, in, uh, in Uganda and after Kenya to, yeah. for a project about, uh, about ivory. So the black market of ivory. So I've been there a few months for this and I had, I got involved in a really bad situation. I almost got arrested. And, what? Uh, yeah. 
because you know I was talking about uh, something I was not supposed to. He was giving it's like a, a lecture. Taboo, no, it's a taboo subject. I think. Well, well, I yeah. Everything and yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. Because talking about ivory, you know, most most of us, I also put myself in it. We think that elephants die because of poachers. Yeah. But it, the, that's not the truth. I mean, uh, so I got involved in this huge project about ivory. So elephants and rhinos. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give voice to the poachers as well. Okay. And when I started to do that, uh, the word oh. of what I was doing spread like everywhere in a few days. And until the authorities uh, got me and yeah, they, they wanted to put me in prison. So some people held me and I was, uh, how do you say when you are arrested in your home? House arrest. Not, yeah. So I was obligated to stay in the BNB where I was staying for almost 10 days. So, and every day I was supposed, I, I went there to the wildlife authority every day to like, to speak about who I was. So I, they were, they were afraid that I was there to buy ivory and really a lot of stories came out. Anyway, uh, because of that failure, because I had to give up the project about the elephant and wire, I really had to give up. And people told me, Mauro, if you want to come back to Africa, you need to forget what you're doing. If not, you're not able to enter Africa anymore. So. I decided to leave that project, but because of that, I got to know the homeless children in Nairobi. So what, one thing I, I want, I want to just ask you one thing. Why did, yeah. I know I, we were going to talk about the Malaika Foundation, but um, why did, were you giving a voice to the poachers? They are coming to arrest you as well, eh? If we can talk about it. Actually, I should record it. That is something that I've never been... That's never happened to me. <laughs> and I'm up for new experiences always, but being arrested, I've never been arrested. Yes, yes. So because of this horrible uh, yeah, thing that happened there, uh, I, I was in Nairobi for uh, most more than one month. And every day I was walking the street. I didn't know what to do. And I happened to know by coincidence these children, they live on the street. So one day, two children asked me, can, can you give us some food? So I took them to a small restaurant on the street. The day after was five children. Uh, a couple of days after was 20 children. And after a couple of weeks, I was bringing even 150 children to the restaurant. What? So, yeah. So the people who helped me uh, uh, with the money, for the project of the ivory, they, they helped me with the money. So I told them, look, I had this money left. Can I use it to help the children? So the, he, they said, do whatever you think is good. So yeah, nothing for almost a month. I spent every day almost with the children in Nairobi. I took them to the restaurant every day. I got to know them and we started to talk, to play, to hug each other. We became, uh, we, I became part of their family. And, uh, when it was time to come back, more than sorry, 
became just their family because they don't have family there. Yeah, exactly. So the parents send them off from because they're from villages. So the parents send them what, to make the money. capital to make money for the family. Okay. So they just yeah, they, all, they all have yeah, 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 the homeless kids of, of Nairobi. Yeah, they all have the same story. Basically, they come from outside the capital, from uh, outside Nairobi, from really poor families. They tell them, look. There's nothing for you here. There's nothing for us. Try to go to Nairobi, uh, try to find money and bring money home. So these children, they reach Nairobi and of course, there's nothing for them. And they don't, they are afraid to go home because they don't want to go home with empty pockets. They don't want to uh, be, um, you know, appointment to their family. To the family. They don't want to be the disappointment of the family because they are not able to bring home money. They have all this story. Anyway, um, so yeah, when it came the time to to leave and go back home, I said, what about these children now? What's, I cannot leave. So a few days before leaving, I decided to open a foundation. So I contacted a lawyer and I registered the name of the foundation that uh, that is uh, Malaika, that in uh, Swahili means angels, because I was always called them angels, my angels. So that's why I decided to call it angels in Swahili. And yeah, it, it was a bit hard at the beginning because I hate to ask money and to, to ask money around, even to the people close to me. But you know, most of the people believed in me and believed in what I was doing. And uh, now, yes, uh, it the so, foundation has already two years now. Tell me about the foundation. It's so, two years now. Incredible. Incredible. I didn't what? even realize. So in two years, we what are have able you done? To... So what was your, what is the, the main goal of the foundation and how are you helping these children now, now that you're not there? So in all this time, uh, it was hard for me to understand how I could help exactly these children because Malaika is helping 100 chi- 150 children per week but you have to understand there are more than 60,000 children on the streets of Nairobi so for me the goal was always reaching more and more and more children more, and more. But to feed them? Is that what you're doing? You're feeding them? Yeah, yeah so every Sunday we are able to provide food for 150 children Every and, Sunday, where do you where do you provide the food? Yeah, so also there uh, there were people helping me. So I asked help to a girl that works there. So she told me, "Look, I don't have a job, and probably for me it would be a good opportunity to do something good for others and make some money out of it." So we found women that every Sunday cook, and uh, so for them is also an opportunity to make some money out of it. So, yeah. And- and the a few people are, are involved. Yeah. So just raising money for food for yeah, yeah. people that are and these children, where do they go? Where in the restaurant? The, yeah, there is we call it restaurant, but it basically four like pieces of wood. It's like a roof. Okay. A roof where uh, 20 people fit inside. So it's, it's not it's not an easy job to give <laughs> food to 150 children. So the children have to stand in line. We give them tickets, so 20 children at a time are allowed to go in. And they're all hungry, so you can imagine. Like it's... Uh, so and it you took time. Fun. Yeah, so it took oh. time also for, to, it took time also to teach them, look, 
there is food for everybody, though you don't need to fight. And uh, yeah, we have to teach them also the manners because of course they smell the food, they become crazy. But now, believe me, it's amazing. It's really touching if you see what they do. They even clean the dishes. They respect each other. And beside that, and beside that, sometimes when there is some extra money, we are able to see, to do something on the side. Like uh, there was this girl that last year lost two babies in a really, really horrible story. So it was really dangerous for her. Uh, Tessa knows her. Yeah. So, um, it was really dangerous for her to stay there in that place. So we were able to find a house for her in another area. So now Malaika is also paying rent for her for the next two years. And uh, we were able to find a job for another guy, for another child. And now we're supporting his mom that is blind. And now the most beautiful thing that this child is working from Monday to Friday. And on Sunday, he come to help us to give the food and uh, to the children. So he oh, never forgot. It's good to see that you've given some and they're coming back. So thank you. Like it's a full yeah. circle moment. And it's still touching for me if I... If I speak about this. Uh, no, it's, it's amazing. The, the girl that he's just mentioned the story of like, we saw, and I had the privilege of, of being there when she saw him again. And it's just so beautiful how much respect and love and admiration there is from her to him. Like it's crazy. And it's. Yeah. Well, because he's saved her life. Yeah, literally, literally. I mean, he's given yeah. her literally. and all these children. And the something story, story is still so horrific. I tell you the story later, but it's. Yeah. Like, it's and it's. Wow. Uh, it's very moving. And so we want people to know about this foundation, the Malaika Foundation. Um, I'm sure you've got it on, on, on how do we find it? There's a We're website, gonna... not for Malaika. Yeah, we have our website. We have our Instagram account. We have a Facebook account. Well, we're going to uh, put it on all the socials when we advertise the talk. Yeah. And what... we put it all up on the socials. Yeah. Tessa is one of our most important founders and she helped a lot and also to you to spread the voice. Yeah, and exactly. Which is what we want to do yeah, on this. Yeah, this, yeah, this is really important. Like, if you the the opportunity, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I would like to add that uh, you know, every cent that we received goes to to the children. I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody is making anything out of it except for this girl that is helping us uh, uh she tessa also knows her and, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah 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 she <laughs> also has a really sad story because she has a really rare disease and unfortunately she cannot get a job because of the disease, the disease she has she cannot even make an insurance nothing hospital like, stricken like seven days a week or seven days a month yeah so even though it's super hard for her, every Sunday she's there with the children. Yeah. And yeah, so like, I'm sure the children look forward to getting a proper meal at least once a week. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere yeah, to yeah. go. And if there are other issues, maybe there's people there yeah, that yeah. can help them. Yeah. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah, a lot of times she like, you know, video call me when she's there and everybody's saying hello. When I come back, we love you. Thank you. So and when I organize, I organize two tours a year in Kenya. 
Five to this place. Oh, to Kenya. To Kenya. But you know, some people also are interested to see the reality of Malaika. I I don't bring everybody because it's not really like a touristic place to visit. It's quite uh, quite tough to see for the first time. But, uh, you know, uh, anyway, when people come with me to Kenya, uh, we, we go to visit the north of Kenya, we do safari, whatever. I always tell them to bring an, uh, an extra suitcase with uh, shoes, clothes. For them. And people love to do this. You know, so. In Gibraltar, we do that a lot. We help um, a lot of um, different charities in Morocco, in North Africa, with Tangier mm-hmm. and nearby, where there's quite a lot of poverty yeah, yeah. as well. And there are yeah. trucks, like four by fours that go over now and again. And though we, yeah, yeah, now sure. and again. So maybe we should organize. We should organize a trip of Gibraltarians to come and. Um, I, w- I went. We to, should do that. To Turgana with my auntie, and we took two, two cases each. A case each, no? We took. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, so funny. And then he sent me photos of people wearing the clothes, and it's just. Oh, oh. oh that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Where haven't you been? Where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. What do you want to see? He hasn't oh my been. God. Oh, uh, there are. Many, many places I would like to visit, but now is not the time. I still need to do a lot of things in the places I know already. Wow, uh, really? Kenya Kenya is already waiting for me. I will be there in... Do uh, what kind of things? Uh, always talking about project. The first one, the most important is always Malaika. So in two yeah. months, I will be there again. I will spend two months there. And I will deal, um, uh, sorry, I will lead two tours with uh, two groups of clients. But at the same time, of course, I will be there with my children, with my angels. And uh, yeah, um, I, I, I know also a lot of places be, be beside uh, the, where, where I'm involved with other projects, for example, I don't know if you if you saw the project about the ballerinas. Uh, there is this uh, the biggest slam in Africa is in Nairobi. So a few years ago, is a, wow. How how long do we have? I don't. No idea. Okay. Like ten minutes. So the first time I visited Africa, uh, I visit Kenya. I was walking in the street with my camera and. A guy stopped me on the street. He said, would you like to come tomorrow to give a photo lesson? Because I'm teaching ballet. I'm teaching dance in a class. And I would like you to teach photography. So uh, the day after I was there teaching photography to these children. And on the side, this guy, he was teaching ballet to, to girls. So as the picture in the waterfall, this image it stayed inside me for a long time until two years ago i went there and i did a project about these ballerinas yeah yeah and because of what took me to that place i also organized like a a founding and i was able to collect over 100 secondhand cameras here in spain where i live and in italy and we also opened um, a photo course in Kenya. So beside the Malaika, I also have a, I have this, I have a school of a ballerina. photography. Ballerina is also a school of photography for children. 
So wow, and where is yeah. that? Yeah, in uh, it's it's called Kibera. Is the the biggest slum uh, in uh, in Nairobi. So you know, I'm involved with a lot of things, uh, not maybe related to photography or to business or to my job, but yeah, I I have to go there. Tell me something. Whose work has influenced you? Sorry, who? Whose work has influenced you? Uh, this a little bit. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I I don't really like to say this, but uh, I grew up without um, without trying to imitate someone. So yeah. I love the job of other photographers, but, you know, I never want to be influenced by the work of others. So this, for sure, it makes things more difficult. Uh, it took more time for me to to learn. But at the end, I'm, I'm happy that I, I never got, like, the influence from schools or the work of other people. Uh, okay. And what is one thing you can't do without when you go on one of your projects? I mean, apart from the camera. Mm, I think talking to people. So have you asked yourself, why am I doing why? this? Why am I, why am I in England washing dishes, working in a restaurant? Why am I bothering? Wow, I ask that question every second of my time. But there's not an answer. I mean, because because uh, I need to keep doing it because I'm yeah I really feel happiness in my life. I'm doing something that matters, and it doesn't cost anything for me. So yeah, okay. why because of this? Okay, and one one very very last question that I ask all my guests. This is the fifth last question. Yeah, but... you can't look at Tessa. Okay, she can't look at you. You can't look at her because you can't. Tessa, you can't say Tessa. So if you were on a desert island and you could only be with one person, me, who would you take, and why? Wow, it's a very difficult question. With who and why? Mm, well, maybe I don't know. You answer it as best you can. Wow. Uh, I think with my mom. <laughs> yeah. Where does she live? In Italy? Yeah. You get on very well with her. Yeah. She had a really tough life. Uh, we had a really tough life together. And... I, I'm, she's suffering a lot because she cannot see what I see. And uh, she always tell me, I would love to, to see what you see. I would like to come to, with you one time. Well, it's been a real pleasure to meet you. Mm -hmm. I hope it's the first time of many. Yeah. Thank you, Mauro, really. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. It was really a pleasure. I had a lot of fun to speak with you. I'm glad. Yeah, you are a really nice person. And you too. Yeah, I'm sure we will sure. meet again. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. Take care. We're just going to stop the recording. Ciao. Ciao. You've been listening to series three of my podcast, which is called Why Bother? 
It's a question I've often asked myself, and I'm sure you have too. And I wanted to speak to people about their journeys to success, why they've bothered. Thanks must go to my producer, Charlie Hurst, for putting this podcast together. Catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And a big thank you too to artist Beatrice Garcia for designing the podcast icon. Her website is beatricegarcia.com. Thank you for listening and please like and rate the show. And should you want to get in touch, my email is rougechip at gmail.com.